you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. We're going to look beginning with just one verse there, verse 4. Uh, we've used this verse before as we're on a series that we've entitled, Coming of the Perfect Storm. You know, as I've stated and been saying the past couple of weeks, I believe there's a perfect storm on the horizon, and that perfect storm, I believe, is directed right at this nation and I'm afraid that most people are not prepared for it. And at this late date, I am not for sure that this perfect storm that is barreling down on our nation can be avoided. You know, there, though there's an ultimate perfect storm that's going to destroy the entire world, I believe that this perfect storm that is brewing right now at this time is set to hit the United States prior to the coming of the perfect storm when Jesus Christ comes back for his second coming that's going to put an end to this dispensation. Now, I am convinced that the form of Christianity that is being practiced in the United States of America today is a cheap, watered-down, uh, counterfeit version that has no sacrifice in it and, and uh, attached to it, should we say, and it has very little commitment on the part of God's people. I want to suggest to you that the people of God today are not committed the way we ought to be, not only to the church, but to Jesus Christ himself. You know what the attitude of most people is? Well, if I don't have to sacrifice my material desires, then, Pastor, I'll give of my tithe. If it doesn't take too much time out of my busy schedule... Maybe I'll commit to some form of ministry. Look, for many within our churches today, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, all because the enemy is offering them what on the outside looks like something that is very great, but the end of it is going to be this coming perfect storm that they're not God, that, 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 that we find mentioned in the end times, you know. And let me tell you. Many people think the United States is going to play a big role in the end times, in the tribulation period, but I want to suggest to you that nowhere in God's Word do you find the United States of America mentioned when you study eschatology, or whether it's in the book of the Revelation or where the Bible talks about the tribulation period, because I believe that prior to the rapture of the church, when the tribulation period begins, the United States, because of the sin within our nation, is going to have been reduced to uh, a, a second-rate nation. In other words, I don't believe we're going to be the powerhouse that we are in the world today. And it will have been reduced, like I say, to a second-rate country. And I believe, and we're going to throw this up for you on the screen there, John, I believe we will not be able to blame the Democrats. I don't believe we're going to be able to blame the Republicans. You know, rather, the blame is going to be directly on the shoulders of the people of God because we, as the people of God, have set back, has set back and allowed evil to overtake our families. We've allowed evil to overtake our churches. We've allowed evil to overtake our nation, our families. You know, and we refuse as a church to stand against the evil that is going on around us because it's not the popular thing to do, nor is it the politically correct thing to do that most uh, people in the United States have placed upon us. Folks, listen, we are losing our nation. I'm afraid we've lost our nation. 
situation, and I'm afraid that this storm that is barreling down on this nation has done gone so far that we're not going to be able to stop it. The church as a whole has been deceived by the enemy and has brought into has bought into the lies and the deception, and the result is going to be a coming perfect storm that's going to bring destruction to this nation as never before. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, as the disciples came to Jesus privately, we see, asking him, you know, Master, <clears throat> tell us, tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. And Jesus' response to them in verse 4 is simply this, take heed that no man deceive you. Be aware, Jesus is saying. Because people are going to be deceived by evil, by the evil one. This morning, it's going to be short this morning. Hey, hey we may even be out of here by 20 till. You know, boy, and, but don't y'all expect that if we get out here quick, okay? But it's going to be short to the point this morning. If you notice, your notes ain't very big at all this morning. But we're going to just get short to the point. And I'm going to look at three ways this morning in which the Christian community is being deceived. And as a result of this deception, we're allowing to be placed upon us. The coming perfect storm is continuing to brew and it's getting stronger and stronger. Now, before we get started, let me put, a dis- put out a disclaimer right off the bat. I, I pride myself in being both a pre-tribber and also a pre-millennialist. Okay, I firmly believe the rapture of the church will precede the seven-year tribulation period, and I firmly believe the tribulation period is going to precede the millennial reign of Christ. I stand firm on that belief. Now, those who spiritualize prophecy, the amillennialist and the postmillennialist, they argue the fact that what we see in Matthew chapter 24 has already been fulfilled in the first century destruction of Jerusalem, and therefore they reject uh, the idea that it points to a period of severe tribulation preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know, they teach that Matthew chapter 24 is simply a historical account of what took place with the Jews in 70 A.D., but I firmly believe that Matthew chapter 24 is not a historical account of what took place in 70 A.D. Rather, it is an event that is on the horizon. It is an event that is barreling down upon us even today. I do believe, however, that the terrible events of 70 A.D. were a classic maybe prefillment in type of the ultimate fulfillment that is going to occur right before the uh, second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, let's make it clear. Revelation 24 is prophecy yet to be ultimately fulfilled. It's going to be ultimately fulfilled soon, as that perfect storm is about to release the wrath of God upon this world as never before. Now, I say all this in order to say that when you study Bible prophecy, and when we was going through the book of Revelation, I, I pointed this out a lot going through that, but I think we need to just, before we get started, touch on it here again. In Bible prophecy, when you're studying Old Testament prophecy, what you see in the Old Testament many times is a prefillment, a fulfillment, and then there's an ultimate fulfillment. Okay? So that when you study Bible prophecy, you've got to keep that in mind there. You know, I believe with that thought in mind, we can see some prefillment of the ultimate fulfillment in prophecy in Revelation, I mean, Matthew chapter 24, 
happening in this nation today. And that is what I want to point out this morning. Though there will be an ultimate fulfillment of Matthew chapter 24, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, I want to look at some prefillments of which I see taking place as this perfect storm is barreling down on the United States of America at this very point. Jesus' words were simple. Take heed. Take heed that no man deceive you. Three ways this morning we're going to look at the way I believe people in the United States of America, and I'm not talking about the lost, I'm talking about church people, are being deceived. The first one is this. The Christian community is being deceived by religious leaders claiming to speak by the authority of Jesus Christ. We got a lot of religious leaders out there, folks, and I ain't talking about just Catholic or some, you know, something like that, you know, the Mormons, whatever. We've got evangelical leaders out there who are deceiving people of the church. We've got leaders out there, Christian community leaders, who, who are claiming to speak by the authority of Jesus Christ, and they're not actually doing that, and people are being deceived. Look down in verse 5, Jesus said this, For many will come in my name, saying, I am in the Christ. But what are they going to do? They're going to deceive many. Look, so-called Christian leaders are more of a threat to Christianity today than the devil himself. That's my belief. I'll stick with it. Look, now again, when the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy takes place during the tribulation period, many are going to come actually claiming to be Christ, and even then, many will fall for their deception. But today, I, I see many so-called believers who are falling for the nonsense that's being preached from many who claim to have the authority by Christ himself. In other words, preachers who say, I'm called by Christ. And many are falling for the nonsense that they're preaching. Folks, they're not preaching the true word of God. Perhaps many of the professing Christian teachers today, you know, of uh, uh, this world fall into this camp, you know, as they have fallen away from sound biblical doctrine, and instead what they're preaching is the tradition of men and or the goal of increasing their church attendance or, or, or they're increasing their television or radio, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, numbers. And they're teaching that above the authority of the Bible. There are coming or they, should I say, are coming in the name of Christ, yet the message that they are bringing, folks, isn't the message of Christ. It is their own message, you know, and, and, and they know their audience have itching ears, as the Bible predicts. So the messages they bring are messages that are tickling those itching ears. The second thing is the Christian community is being deceived by increased wickedness and loss of love for God. I want to suggest to you that most people that are in churches this morning, all throughout the United States of America, their love for God is not what it ought to be. They're not in church this morning because they love God. They're in church this morning for various reasons. I will assure you with this being an election cycle, there's a lot of them that are looking for votes this morning. Where has, what has happened to the love of God that we ought to have? Look at verse 12. He says, and because of lawlessness or iniquity, because iniquity will, will abound, the love of many will grow cold. He's talking about today, folks. 
Now, in the King James, it uses the word iniquity, okay? Because iniquity will abound. Let me explain that just for a moment because some people think, well, that's sin, okay? Iniquity is a sin. Iniquity is the sin of doing it my way. I'm going to do it my way. That is the sin of iniquity. I am afraid and don't want to hurt no one's feelings this morning. Y'all know how bad it hurts me to hurt somebody's feelings. But Elvis Presley and Frank Sinatra had it wrong. If you was a fan of either one of them, I did it my way. That is iniquity. And can I tell you something? If you do it your way, you're going to end up in hell. Okay, that's just a simple fact. We can't do it our way. What did he say? Because of doing it my way, the love of many will grow cold. Look, today more and more people are living primarily for their self than their own happiness. And the idea of denying their self and taking up their cross and following Jesus as Jesus suggested in Luke chapter 9, you know, it's a foreign concept nowadays. It's a foreign concept. Look, what television and movies portray as normal has affected the values of those who indulge in them. And at the same time, couples are divorcing and children are, are growing up with a deep unmet need as a result of it. Today, many couples are not even marrying. Rather, they're choosing to live together in sin. And as a result, their children and their children's children are carrying on that same sinful lifestyle. And what has the result of that been? One of the results of that being a blood sacrifice of hundreds of millions of, of babies, you know, uh, innocent babies through this ungodly act of abortion. People want to play, but they don't want to pay. So what do they do? They abort their child. Folks, that is an abomination before God. And then also, they're giving birth to even more and more children who lack a healthy home where they can receive love and training from a godly father and mother. Let, 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 me, let me just show you something. I want to show you a four-generation fade. What happened? It, it can take just four generations. Okay? And here's what that is. Parents who don't make church a high priority of the kids. First of all, that's what happened. Well, you know, church isn't a high priority. You know, hey, you know, we, we can go do this on Sunday. It's my only day off. You know, we'll do church if we have time. In other words, parents who don't make church a high priority for the kids. Now, what does that leave? Their kids grow up and make church a less priority for their kids. Now, I want you to see the progression here, or degression, I guess we should say. So those kids grow up and make church no priority for their kids. The third generation, the kids don't even go to church. By the fourth generation, their kids grow up with no concept of who God is. And I want to suggest to you this morning, we got kids out there today because of this generational fade that have no concept of who God is. And folks, that is sad. And let me tell you, the people of the United States of America is going to pay for that. Parents, listen, if you're one of the parents who church is not a priority for you, you better listen to this. You better look at this. Because by the fourth generation, your kids, your great-great-grandkids, I guess that'd be, will have no concept of who God is. And you will answer to God for that. All because the Christian community has left their love for God and it's bought into the deception of the wicked one. 
Now, the third and final thing is this. The Christian community is being deceived as a result of a strong delusion that has been placed upon the people. You say, what are you talking about there? Turn with me to Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to suggest to you this morning that some people have done got to the point that they've reached that fourth thing, fourth, you know, thing there we just looked at. And because of that, there's a strong delusion on them that they're going to believe a lie. They won't know the truth if they're facing the truth. You know, here's what Paul had to say to the church at Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know what Paul is saying there? The time is coming. And folks, listen, that time is now. That people are going to lose a love for God. And what is going to happen is they're going to have, what's he say, pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, what's he mean by that? That people are, are, are going to enjoy the sin they're in. Why? Because there's no longer any conviction on their life. Why? Because a strong delusion has been put upon them that they can't distinguish the truth. I've got a lot of suggestions for you this morning. I'm going to suggest one more. That's where we are in the United States of America today. The majority of the people can't recognize the truth, but they don't want to hear the truth. You know, it's like that guy on the stand, and what was it, a few good men were, you know, that lawyer said, you know, we want the truth, and what did he blurt out? You can't handle the truth! And people today can't handle the truth because they have bought into so, so many lies from those who took a Bible under their arm and say, this is what God's Word has to say. No, this is what your Word has to say, not the Word of God. You know, as Paul wrote his second letter to the church at Thessalonica, he was attempting to correct some false teaching and misunderstanding concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. He was reminding them that a number of things must take place before the Lord, day of the Lord happens, which the day of the Lord is the second coming. You know, one uh, such thing was that the man of sin must be revealed, exalting himself above all that is called God and positioning himself in the temple of God, showing himself to be God, Paul goes on to say. And as Paul was pointing out that just before the second coming of Jesus Christ, just before the day of the Lord, many, including the very elect, and Jesus talked about the very elect being deceived in Matthew 24 and 24, but they would be deceived, even the very elect, by Antichrist. In other words, they too, the very elect, would buy into the lies of the devil. One more suggestion. I'll probably have a few more. A lot of Christian leaders have bought into the deception of the evil one. Therefore, no longer preaching the true word of God, but a watered down, counterfeit version that tickles the ears of their audiences. Today, in this day of pre-fulfillment, 
of what will ultimately be fulfilled during the tribulation period, we see a strong delusion on even the people of God who are buying into the lies of those claiming to speak by the authority of, of Jesus Christ. So many are being deceived to the point that they're totally unable again to see the truth. Now here's a thought. Satan is portrayed in the scriptures as being the prince in the power of the air. We know that Jesus himself said he is the prince in the power of the air. We know he's talking more about just that atmospheric heaven that's about us. I think it goes even farther than that. Here's just a thought for you. Maybe a primary focus of deception by Satan and that he's using today is the airways of radio, TV, the Internet, cell phones, and so on and so forth. And through those things, he's filling the hearts and the minds of the people with all sorts of lies with all sorts of evil desires that's keeping them completely preoccupied with ungodliness, thereby, you know, making them completely oblivious to the coming storm and the truth of the Word of God. As the prince in the power of the airway, Satan has completely deceived even the very elect from seeing that that perfect storm is right on the horizon and doing all they can to prevent the true gospel of Jesus Christ from getting out. Look, we as a nation have allowed sin to overtake us and as a result have allowed the great deceiver to turn the truth into a lie, to turn bad into good, and to deceive us into believing that unrighteousness is actually righteousness. Terrible sins are taking place all around us, folks. Rape, abortion, murder, same-sex marriage, rioting, and horrible persecutions being poured out upon Christians and Jews all over the world. While we're on our smartphones, <laughs> watching another video, or playing some goofy game like Angry Birds, Candy Crush, Farmville, Minecraft, I, I didn't know what none of these were because I don't play them, but I, I, you know, I know a lot of people do, so I said, well, let me see what all this stuff is about. <laughs> As I was researching this, I found another game that a lot of people are playing. I sure hope none of you are playing this game because if you are, you're going to go out here and say, preacher picked on me this morning. Here, here's the name of this game, Kim Kardashian Hollywood. I'm not kidding you. Don't you go and look home and look it up, Till. There is a game out there that people are playing called Kim Kardashian Hollywood. I said, I got to look into this. Here's the details of that game, okay? Ever want to live a life of a celebrity? After being discovered in a clothing store by Kim Kardashian, players start their ascent around the world in hobnobbing with Hollywood's elite. Boy, don't that, that makes me want to just close the Bible now and go get that game. Being able to hobnob with the Hollywood elite. Can you believe people spend time on trash like that? Yet no time in the Word of God. Look, can you imagine the difference the church could make in our communities? 
Can you imagine the difference the church could make in our cities, in our state, in our nation, and around the world? If we were as energized about the gospel as we are about our phones and our tablets and our games? Listen, we had better understand that there is a coming perfect storm brewing. And as the people of God, we had better spend our final days going about the mission that Christ commanded us to do while there's still time. I would guess this is just an uneducated guess as I'm an uneducated person. But I would be willing to guess that every one of us in here this morning either have family that are lost or friends that are lost. And if Jesus Christ came today, they would be left to go through that tribulation period. And what's more important to many people is that smartphone, that tablet, that time spent playing games while your friend and your loved ones are lost and on their way to hell. Church, there's a coming perfect storm. There's a coming perfect storm that's going to bring destruction like never before. I'm just thankful that we're going to be, as Christians, taken out before it really starts hitting but maybe your friends and your loved ones aren't. Don't you think it might be, don't you think it might be a little wise to put up the phone at least an hour one day and tell someone you really care about about Jesus Christ? Don't you think it might be wise to turn off the TV one evening and spend one hour telling somebody that really means a lot to you about Jesus Christ in this coming perfect storm, and if they're not ready, how bad it's going to be for them. Child of God, I think it's time that the church stop buying into this deception that is being put out there before us. You know, one thing about we as Baptists we read the Word of God. We study the Word of God, or supposed to anyway. There's no reason for us to be deceived if we're spending time in God's Word the way we ought to. So just because somebody has a Bible under their arm, and I think we talked about this Wednesday night or last Sunday night, you know, and I encourage the, the, the people here that come on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, don't you believe everything I say? You know? Go home and look at it for yourself. That's why you have this. Now, if you don't have one of these, let me know. We'll get you one. I got some in my office. Don't just believe someone because they got a Bible under their arm. Search it yourself. Because, again, Jesus said, before that coming perfect storm, many are going to be deceived. And there's no reason a child of God should be deceived. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, we're, in a moment we're going to have a song of invitation. We do not want you going out of here the same way you came in, not knowing Christ as your personal Savior. So here in just a moment, as we have this song of invitation, we're going to invite you to come.
Let, it, let, us, let us show you, you know, what it means to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Child of God, if there's someone you need to pray for, why don't you get down here at this altar and ask God to give you the, 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 the courage and the ability to go to them this week and share Jesus Christ with them. Let them know, look, I love you. I'm here because I love you. And, you know, my, my goofy preacher said that there's a storm coming that, you know, is going to, you know, destroy the world. I don't want you to be destroyed. I mean, and ask God to give you that opening, and then you take it. Let's pray. Father.